get into the word today. Are you guys ready? I'm going to get you out of here early so you can go and celebrate your love for your moms today. We've been in a series that we just started for the month of May last week called The Heart of God. And in this series, what I'm trying to do is get everybody to understand what is on God's heart. Because if we can align our heart with God's heart, that's where the fun begins. That's where the miracles, that's where the power, that's where the breakthroughs happen. But when we have a different heart than what God has, that's when there's conflict. That's when there's things don't seem to work. There's no rhythm to life. There's no flow. There's no breakthrough. We find ourselves at odds with the heart of God. And we are not to be at, the, uh, at odds with the heart of God. We are to be in alignment with the heart of God. And so that's what we've been talking about. And so last week, the first thing we began to uncover about the heart of God is the heart of the Father. And why that is so important that you understand that God loves you like a child, like his child. Tell your neighbor right now you're his favorite. Tell him, tell him that you're his favorite. Tell the other person you just ignored. Say, I'm God's favorite. I'm God's favorite. Amen. That's so important that you see your life like that, that God loves you as his son and his daughter. And as we said, the reason that's so important that you understand the heart of God is because that way you can read the Bible through the lens of a father writing to his son or daughter. And it's, it hits so much different when you understand that and you read the Bible from the aspect of a loving father writing to you, his son and daughter. See, without that, you only view the book as a book of rules, a book of rituals, a book of do's and don'ts. Uh, and, and, and when you read it like that, what's the first thing you want to do with a rule? Break it. Thank you for being honest. Amen. Come on, remember that? Remember, how many of y'all had a living room where nobody was allowed to go into? Anybody have a living room like that? My mom, had a li- my mom had a front room. None of us were allowed to go in there. I'm like, Mom, what's that room for? It's not for you, Mio. You guys go in the other room over there. We had a couch we couldn't sit on. How many had a couch you could sit on? That was for company. That was for company, right? It was for company. You know, and, and, and so what was the first thing we would do with that rule when mom and dad weren't home? I'm laying on that couch. I'm like, I'm just up in that room for no reason. I'm like, I can't be in here, huh? But that's the fallen nature, right? That's what we do with rules. When there's just rules, the tendency is to want to break them because the heart of man is rebellious. And that's why some of us have had such a hard time keeping God's word. 
because you don't understand the heart of, of, of why it's written. The book is written as a father to sons and daughters to show us the way. And when you understand that and you read something in the Bible that you do not like, at least you understand the heart of why it's being written. Amen? Amen. It's like if I tell my son, son, don't touch the hot stove, okay? I'm telling him that because it's going to burn his hand up. Amen? I'm not telling him that to be a control freak. I'm not telling him that to ruin his fun, keep him from an experience. Nah, man. I'm telling him because I love my son, and I want him to have all five fingers, and I don't want him to look like Freddy Krueger. Come on. I don't want that. I don't want him being burned, okay? And so when you understand that, the Bible takes on a whole different way of coming across to you, and it's easier, catch this now, to link your heart with the heart of a God that's a father than just a rule keeper or a rule setter. Amen. So go back and listen to that message. I think it's important that you get that understanding on the inside of you, because as I said, Satan works overtime to distort the word father in our lives. Some of us don't really know what it's like to be fathered. And that presents a problem when you come into the kingdom. Now, can I tell you the remedy for not having a father? Y'all ready for this? The remedy for not having a father is find one and get under him. Now, you can cry all day and all the rest of your life, I didn't have a dad, I didn't have a dad. Or you could say, I wasn't raised with a dad, but now I have a spiritual father. Now I hang out with so-and-so. Now I'm around this so-and-so. And you know what? This person has been a dad to me. This person has been a dad to me. See, that's the remedy because here's what I believe. God, your father, will not let you go without. Some of you have just missed what he's provided because you won't take your eyes off what was or what wasn't. So you just keep, you love God. I I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a dad. Wait, let's get our focus off of that and go, I didn't have a dad in the home, but God, who have you provided for me to be a father? I guarantee you, God has provided somebody, but you haven't given them a chance. You haven't listened. You haven't opened your heart or you just haven't been aware because you're so focused on what you don't have. That's why the Bible has a premise that before you can embrace the new, you have to let go of the old. And for some of you, you got to quit grieving what you didn't have and look for what God has provided. Is that helping anybody today? Because Satan has wanted to destroy and distort so that you don't fully grasp what a father is because then you won't understand what God is. Getting back on this, this is why some people don't tithe. It's really related to an orphan spirit. It's really related to people that don't know you can trust your father. You can trust your father. People that have anxiety and are stressed out, you want to know what that is? That's a symptom of an orphan spirit because you don't understand that you don't have to worry when dad is in the house. Can I get an amen on that? I heard a friend preaching. I was listening to some of his preaching this week, and he was telling a story about uh, one night he was sleeping in his house, and there was a big accident outside. And, you know, it was like a big commotion. Bam, boom, boom. It was about three in the morning. So him and his wife, you know, got up and he went outside. And what had happened was a a car had hit their gate right at their house. And and the police came out and everything. And and they got the guy out of the car. It It was a huge deal, right? So he's out there taking care of that. 
And he walks back into his house and he notices his kids are still asleep. And so he's like, okay, I guess they just slept right through that. He goes back to bed. They wake up in the morning, they're having breakfast and and he goes to his kids. He says, hey, didn't you guys hear that commotion? And his kids said this to them. Yeah, we heard it. He said, well, why, why didn't you guys get up? And the kid said this to him, because dad, we knew you were home. And if it was something really bad, we knew you would, t- you would come and get us. We knew if it wasn't, you would take care of it. And they slept right through the commotion. Did you know that's similar to how Jesus acted when the storm was raining and the boat was sinking and he was asleep on the pillow? You want to know why he was able to do that in the midst of the storm? He knew his heavenly father had him. And so it's all related, guys, the anxiety, the lack of giving, the lack of generosity, the lack of opening your heart to somebody is all connected to not understanding what father means. And if you can get a grasp on understanding what father means, your relationship with God is going to open up wide. And you are going to see God and, and, and trust God. And when you trust God, that's when the blessings flow. Because everybody wants blessings, but they don't want to do things God's way. We want God's blessing, but we don't want his way. And sometimes we don't want his way because we don't understand his way. And we're going to get into that in a minute. So please go back and and listen to that. Today, I want to talk about another aspect about the heart of God, and that is what is on the heart of God. What is on God's heart is the bride. Everybody say that with me. The bride. One more time, the bride, the bride. That is what is on God's heart. And you might say, well, who is that? What is that? What is the bride? The bride is the body of Christ, okay? The body of Christ universally is referred to as the bride. And last week we looked at Hosea chapter one when Hosea was prophesying and talking about a time that would come when we would all be considered sons and daughters of God. Hosea chapter two, he prophesies about another time, the same time, but he refers to the time where you and I will be referred to as the husband of God. Let's read that. Hosea chapter two, verse 16, and then we're gonna look at 19 and 20. Look what it says here. It says this, and it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me husband and no longer call me master. For I will betroth you to me forever. It means I will take you forever. And yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will take you. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. And so what it's prophesying about here is a day where God is going to relate to us in a different way. First, it was father. But now through Jesus Christ, he relates to us, uh, Jesus relates to us as his bride. Now, again, Satan sees this, knows this, and he has attacked what it means to be a husband. Why? Because he does not want you to fully understand the love of Jesus Christ for us. Because the way Jesus views the church, he views the church as his beautiful bride on a wedding day. And he views his position to be a loving husband 
to all of us, the church. But we have a problem. Same problem we had how Satan has redefined what a father is. Satan has also redefined what a husband is. And so in today's terms, we really don't know what the role of a husband is supposed to be. Because see, in today's world, husbands leave their wives. In today's world, husbands will leave their families. They'll leave their kids. Husbands will cheat on their wives in today's world. Oh, come on, you live in this world too. How many know this is true? Got real quiet in this Presbyterian church today. Guys, change religions on me, amen? We ain't the church where you, we ain't the church where you be quiet, come on. But see, the problem is the word husband today means something different than what it means in the Bible. And so when we see that Jesus is the groom to us, the bride, it's supposed to hit different. That's why Jesus, when he speaks to the church, he uses language that a husband says to a wife. He says things like this, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. There's nothing that you can do that can separate you from my love. That's stuff that a husband is supposed to say to his wife. Can I get an amen? amen. Not this, baby, you mess up one time, I'm out of here. We've exchanged, I'll never leave you or forsake you till you do that again and I'm bouncing. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have noticed uh, love songs have changed through the decades? Come on. How many, how many know love songs are almost practically non-existent today? I think the R&B genre is almost dead right now. But it used to be songs of love, songs of romance. Come on, always and forever. Come on. Come on. Always and forever. You know, Heat Wave used to sing that. And that would just melt the woman, always and forever. Ain't nobody saying always and forever in today's music. Can I just get witness on that? They're saying right now, come on. Right now, temporarily. Come on, temporary love thing. Come on, just for one night. Come on, all that kind of stuff. My point is this. When you approach God with a worldly mentality, you miss so much. Because what is on the heart of God is his bride. And what the revelation that he wants you to get is, this is how much Jesus loves you. He loves you like a husband loves his bride. Now, righteous husbands understand where we're going here. Because when I hear this, I can bear witness to Christ's love for us because of how much I love my wife. I love my wife so much, there's, there's, a, so, there's, there's very little I won't do for her. Are you tracking with me today? There's very little I won't do to try to make her life better. Come on, I'll take a bullet from my wife. Come on, I'll take a beating from my wife. Am I the only one? I got no amens on that. See, and that proves my point right there. That proves my point right there. The love that we're supposed to have for our wives is supposed to be the same love that Jesus had for the church. 
And what did Jesus do for the church? He died. Maybe you should have died instead of leave. That's not even good English, but you get the point. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have left. You should have died. Translation, you should have changed. We don't want to change, so we leave. Husband means something different today, and we got to get that back. And we got to get rid of our excuses because the greatest example of a husband is Jesus Christ. Oh, see, see, you, you, you model being a husband after your Theo, right? Because he's semi-normal, semi, semi. He's semi got it together, so you're like, oh, okay, I'm following him. Some of you, 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 you follow after, you know, the husband you see on TV. Some of you may be so ignorant that you follow your favorite rapper as your model for a husband. And we need to pray for you. <laughs> Let me take you over to Ephesians chapter 5, 22, verse 32 real quick. This is marital advice from uh, Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesians. But he's not only giving marital advice, he's talking about what I'm talking about today is that marriage is simply a picture of the mystery of heaven, which has been Jesus loving the church like a husband is to love his wife. So let's look what it says here. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And the church said, Amen. see, and I know ladies don't like that verse today. They hear that verse and right away they think, oh gosh, I can't stand that verse. What you mean I got to submit to him? Don't you know what he's like? And ladies, I ain't mad at you. Because what most of us have modeled have not been the type of husband that deserves for you to submit to. Because when this is written, it's written understanding the role of a husband being like Christ. Where the husband is serving God, number one. Has some wisdom, number two. And is doing the other things that are worth you listening to and submitting to. See, when you just read it as wives submit to your husbands, because your level of understanding of what a husband is, that troubles you a little bit because you've not seen a husband like the husband Ephesians is talking about. But you will. And the kingsman said, because we're trying to build some men up in here to be these kinds of husbands. The kind of husband where your wife is happy to submit to you because you act right, because you talk right, because you do right, because you got good ideas instead of dumb ones. Come on, somebody. It's easy to submit to somebody like that, that's saying, baby, you know what? Let's get up and go to church. Oh, okay. Baby, you know what? We need to start paying our, giving our tithes at church. Oh, okay, baby. All right. Baby, we need to serve at that outreach. See, that kind of stuff should come from the men. I didn't get no amens on that right there. I got one man, brother standing up and giving me a standing ovation back there. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. He was like...
Let's keep reading. It says this, as also Christ is the head of the church, he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. As the, as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has loved the church. So there it is. There's what we're talking about there. Jesus loves the church like husbands are supposed to love their wives. What did Jesus do? He died for his wife. What does that translate mean? That means you got to change for your wife. What I did not say is wives change your husband. We got too many wives trying to change their husband. Wives, you cannot change your husband. You're going to lose your hair. Keep trying. You're going to lose your hair. You're going to stress out, lose all your beauty. You're going to get old trying to change him. You can't change him. But God can change him. God can change him. It's God's job. And it's your husband's job to stay moldable so that God can change him. You know, that's why the Bible talks about he's the potter, I'm the clay. This thing of you can't change who you are, throw that theology out. Don't believe it. Because what I'm standing before you, I'm a changed man. I've changed in the last 10 years I've changed. Pastoring y'all, y'all have changed me. I got a lot more grace for people pastoring in South Sac. A lot more grace. A lot more love for people. A lot more love for people because God can change you. But he can only change you if you're willing to change. And if you're struggling in your marriage, you don't need her to change. You need to change. You don't need him to change. You need to change. Is this too real for you on a Mother's Day? I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to preach to you what your mom's been trying to tell you her entire life. Let's keep reading, okay? And so it says here that Christ loves the church in this way. And see, the whole thing he's trying to tell us here is this. The incredible mystery that heaven has been dying to know is that Jesus will marry a bride. Who is that bride? It's us. Everybody say us. us. It is not you. It is us. The bride of Christ is not you. It is us. Amen? Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Aren't we the bride of Christ? We are the bride of Christ. You are only a part of the bride of Christ. And this is what is on the heart of Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus Christ loves the most? That he would call the church his bride? That just shows you how much he loves us. Now, he died for you to be a part of us. Is this making sense to anybody right now? If it's not making sense, let me break it down because I teach this all the time in our church. We are all on a mission to go from me to we. But some of us hang out for too long in the land of me. You know, there's a room that we have at our church for people that are stuck in the land of me. And that is called the nursery. <laughs> and let me explain why. Because if you ever work the nursery, if you're ever in the nursery, or if you have a baby, how many of you know your baby doesn't care about your needs? <laughs> All your baby cares about is them and theirs, what is me, what is mine. That's all your baby cares about. 
They don't care that you got to get up at 5 a.m. They're hungry at 1 a.m. And they're going to cry and cry and cry. And, 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 and they don't care if it annoys you. Why? Because they want what they want. Because in their world, guys, it's only about them. How many know what I'm talking about? So we equate that to being immature, right? Because there's a time when they reach about school age that they've got to start learning it's not all about them. So you go and you put them in a class. It doesn't matter that they don't want to do any reading or do playtime. That's what we're doing. And so little by little in our growth, we're learning how to go from me to we. How many know what I'm talking about? We're supposed to learn that. But how many of you know some of us never learn that? What makes Mother's Day so painful for some of us is we had mothers that never learned that. We had mothers that were still trying to make it about them instead of making it about us. Because how many of you know you need to mature to a certain level before you get married? right? And what's the first thing you understand when you get married? It's not just about me anymore. It's not just about the music that I like anymore. It's not just about the movies that I like anymore. How many learned that one? It's about what she likes now. And then pretty soon you stay with it long enough. What she likes is now what we like. How many have ever found that to be true? Amen. Shoot, even with my kids, when I, we were in that Pixar era, that's what I call it, where every movie we watched was Pixar. If it was family movie night, we was watching Cars, Cars 2, Toy Story 3, all that, right? When I started, I didn't like that. But by the end of that thing, I was digging those joints too, you know? I was all about, come on, I can't wait till Toy 3 comes out. A grown man talking like that. Because it became we. And if my kids liked it, then I liked it. If my wife likes it, then I like it. That's laying down your life. But can I tell you something? It takes maturity. And as I said earlier, some of, our, some of us were raised by parents. They were so hurt. Because let me tell you what happens with hurt people. Many times hurt people only focus on themselves because they're hurt. Have you ever noticed what happens if you burn yourself or you, you cut yourself? Automatically, you, everything you have goes to that wound and all your attention is on that. You ever had a paper cut and the rest of the day you're walking around like this? It's not even bleeding or nothing. But you're sitting on your computer and you're like this doing work. You ever notice that? You ever notice that? That's because pain can many times steal our focus. So think about that. A hurt person that's been abused, that's been traumatized, all they do is focus on themselves. And it's hard for them to move from me to we. So you got a mom that won't get out of bed to feed the kids. You got a mom that doesn't know how to have moments with their children, and some of you experience that. But let's not repeat that. See, what God is trying to do 
is get you from me to we, because where we is, that's where the fun stuff happens. Now, let's take it over into the church realm. We got too many Christians that won't leave the me zone. They won't leave the me zone. It's just about me and my family. That's it. It's about my business. It's about my stuff. It's about my blessings. It's about me. And God's trying to get you to understand, hey, wait a minute. I want you to love what I love. And what I love is the gathering. I love it so much, I call it my wife. I love it so much that one day I'm going to marry it. How many remember that? The things we used to say when we were kids. Boy, I love pizza. If you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Remember those things? <laughs> Jesus is like, I love the church. Holy Ghost is like, if you love it so much, why don't you marry it? He says, cool, I'm going to marry the church. But what Christ is trying to get you to do is love the gathering, the church, as much as he does. And some of you don't. There's even this theology and this belief system out there that people are Christians and they say, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. I'm a Christian, I just don't believe in organized religion. You know, I used to say this a lot and people would say that. I said, they, would say, they would say, I'm a Christian, I just don't believe in organized religion. I'd say, well, come to our church. We're not that organized. But I, I can't say that anymore because we've stepped up our game. Come on, somebody. We got a building now. Amen. We used to meet at James Rudder. They used to fly, but we're doing better now. We're doing better. But, but, but you know, the, the, the thing is, we got all these excuses. Satan is working hard to get you to hate the bride. I get it. Some of you, it's still a struggle for you to get to church because you don't know how much God loves this, this body. And remember, when I say the body, the gathering. He loves it when we gather together. Satan hates it. So Sunday morning, he throws a big old comfort spirit on you. And you're in that bed. Why does that bed feel so good on Sunday mornings? All of a sudden, your nasty, crum crummy mattress is just like you sleeping at the Ritz-Carlton on Sunday morning. And you're just like, oh, I can't get up today. I'll watch it online. And there's somebody watching me online that that happened to today. <laughs> Satan fights the gathering because Jesus loves it so much. And we also have this, this thinking in America that it's just me and Jesus. Jesus is my personal savior. But you need to understand something. That term is not used in the entire New Testament. There's nothing that denotes Jesus as our personal savior. Now, it's not wrong to say that. I get it because it needs to be a personal conviction, a personal uh, repentance, a personal relationship, but it only starts there. It only starts to where God is just about me because we're babies. What God wants to be able to do is speak to the collective of us and get us to love what he loves. Now, a lot of you love it. You're here every week, and you're a part of it, and you give to it. You serve, and it's become a part of your life. You don't know what you would do without it. But there's some of you here, it's still a struggle to get you to church. It's a struggle to get you to give to the bride. It's a struggle to get you to sign up and serve, and it's because you don't understand the love that God has for the gathering. Because if you understood the love that he has for us, you would fight to be a part of it. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. 
But again, in America, everything is just me. It's all about me. And so people go to church because it's about me and it's me. I had a friend one time, another pastor I was talking to, and he had went to a church growth seminar and they had given him some advice. They said, hey, to find, find out what songs your people want to sing and do a survey. And so he did that. So on a Sunday morning, they passed out pieces of paper and they said, give us the top three songs that you want us to sing on Sunday mornings. And people were all excited about that. And they gave them their top three. And then the following Sunday, they picked what were the top songs that were, that were given. And the, the team sung the top three songs that got the most votes. And so as they began worship, they noticed about two thirds or half of the church was excited and they were worshiping. But there was a whole nother group that was there like this. They were mad. How, 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 why were they mad? Because their songs were not picked. And what that little activity did is it perpetuated a spirit through their whole church that worship is about pleasing them. He told me it took him months to get that thing off of the people. He said it was the worst idea I ever did because people think this is about you and you've got to understand the gathering is not about you, it's about him. And not only is it about him, it's not about you, it's about us. How many have learned family night, right? Family time is not about you, it's about us. Family vacation, it's not about you, it's about us. Only the mature can handle that. That's why in the Bible, Paul even challenges people. If you don't get married unless you're mature. I wish we could teach our young people that. Because what begins to happen is they get married and they're immature. And an immature person is selfish. An immature person, it's all about them. Oh, and then they mess up even worse. Some of them don't even get married. What will begin to happen? Now track me, please. Listen to my heart. I'm not throwing stones at anybody, but you got to understand what I'm talking about here. When we choose to have children out of wedlock, what will begin to happen is we are thrust into a season that many times we're not ready for. Because how many of you know, nothing is going to challenge that me spirit more than having a baby. Because what's going to happen, that baby is going to demand attention. He's going to demand that his needs are met before yours are. He's going to demand that he gets what he wants, even if you are depleted of what you want. And many times, not all the times, but many times, postpartum depression is caused because it is all of a sudden a reality that my life is no longer about me. It's about we. And some people aren't ready to get into that. Some people are ill-prepared. And this is why you've got to lean into what God is trying to teach you today. God is trying to grow us up. Because nothing great happens in a me season. It's just you and your hubby, just you and your family. The only thing you'll accomplish in that season is God will provide for you. You won't experience the miraculous. You won't experience the amazing. You won't experience those blessings that come from a husband loving on his wife. Listen, what Jesus is building in the end times and in the earth today, he said, he said that his church, not even the gates of hell, would prevail against his gathering. What we've done is we say the gates of hell won't prevail against 
me. The gates of hell won't prevail against my business, against my marriage, and we personalize it all. But if you'll stop and listen to what he's saying, he's saying the blessing is only found when you connect and love his bride. So we've got to get rid of this thinking and this theology that says, I don't need church. We've got to get rid of that theology and that thinking. I don't need church. Me and God have our own relationship. That's fine, but you're in the me section. And we'll keep changing your diapers. We'll keep giving you milk. You'll keep living in a limited life and go, God, where's my blessings? And shake your fist at God and be mad because you don't get healed. Be mad because you don't get your breakthrough. Be mad because all you got is provision. Or you could listen to what the Spirit of God is trying to tell you today. And he's saying, son, daughter, learn to have my heart for us, the bride, the gathering. Because when you connect yourself to the bride, you get all the provision that the husband, Christ, provides. And like I said, we don't understand what a husband is supposed to be today. Let me, let me, let me talk to you about that for a minute. See, Jesus is the model of a husband to the bride, the church. You know what that means? He loves you unconditionally. He's not going to divorce you. Somebody say, thank God. He's not going to leave you if you put on a little weight. Uh Uh-oh, come on. He's not going to leave you if you mess up over and over and over and over and over again. Because that's the role of Jesus as our husband. A husband loves you unconditionally. And the women said, single women, find you a man that understands that. Find you a man that understands that, single ladies. Because all men don't understand that. See, Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Your man says, you do that one more time, and I'm gone. You see the difference? You talk to me like that again, I'm out of here. Jesus don't say that. Amen? So can I just tell somebody here, you need to stop saying that. If you marry that woman, quit using that as a threat. Just go to counseling. The majority of your drama could be stopped if you'll sit down with somebody else and talk about your stuff. Amen? Tell your neighbor he's talking right at you right now. Say it just like that too. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. What else does a husband do? Check this out. What a husband does, he takes care of you. See, I know we live in a day of women's liberation, and I don't need no man to take care of me. You definitely don't. Women are amazing. But don't miss what Jesus is trying to say when he describes himself as the husband. And don't be so strong that you won't give up control to God. Because now what you've done is you've made an idol out of your femininity. And you want to be so strong that you won't even let God take care of you. That's a problem. That's the problem. 
it's a problem. Because you can never take care of yourself the way God can take care of you. So I get it. You've had to develop that exterior for the world we live in. But it doesn't translate in the kingdom. God ain't letting you be in control. Ladies. And men too. But we're talking about something else here. We're talking about understanding a husband. A husband wants to take care of you. Husband wants to walk in and say, what do you need, baby? Don't be like, I don't need nothing. I got this. <laughs> I'm just going to let that marinate a little bit because that's too real. Because some of you acting like that with God. And God wants to bless you. He wants to wipe your tears. He wants to take care of you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to love you like you ain't never been loved. But you got to let him. And see, that's what a husband's role was in biblical times. He was to love you unconditionally. He was to take care of you. He was also to provide for you. It is God's job to provide for his bride. Now, in the Old Testament, these women didn't work. Husband took care of everything. He provided for them. I know we're in a different time. There's nothing against women working. Go out there, get your money. Amen? Do what you got to do. Be, be who God's called you to be. We believe in, 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 in impacting women. Next week, I'm excited uh, for you guys. Jessica Fielding is going to be preaching to you guys next week. Come on, somebody. Give it up for her. Amen. And she's going to be preaching not just to women, to everybody. So, men, you better show up. Or we'll know you're ignorant. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because some men only want to listen to other men. But how many know you need to listen to women? Especially the one you're married to. Smile at me, church. I'm getting points with the ladies today, but it's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. So next week, Jessica's going to come because God's hand has been on her life. We have witnessed over the last 12 years God just raising her up. She has an amazing position with the state of California. She is in charge of millions of dollars, that, a kingdom position where she is a, a big part of seeing where, who gets grants for what areas of, of, of the state. And it's a big part in the conversation of changing lives statewide. And she goes to our church, amen? She got something to say, amen? Yeah, praise God. So she's going to be preaching that. So I say all that to say, you know, we need to be people that understand uh, uh, God uses women, God uses men. But ladies, you got to understand a husband's supposed to provide for you. And so when you understand that Jesus loves his bride like this, you understand it is his job to provide for us. Now, notice I didn't say you. I said us. See, the problem with the prosperity gospel and the gospel in America is it's been a me gospel. God, take care of me, my business, my family. But when you really dig into the New Testament, you understand that God is about we. And the promises he give to, gives to us are if we are connected to the bride. That's why it's vital. It's vital 
that you reject this theology that says, I don't need to be in a church. I, I'm my own. Jesus said, you need to be one of his sheep in his flock. Individualism will only hold you back. It will only hold you back. And when Jesus says he will provide for his bride, it's for those, it's for the gathering, it's for us. And you say, well, aren't I a part of us? I don't know, are you? Because there's a lot of people that aren't. There's a lot of people that are still in we theology, we thinking and saying, God bless me. And God is saying, I'm gonna bless you, but I'm gonna bless we, not me. Ah, see, some of this, this is going way over your head, but let me explain why that is. You see, there's a reason why the Bible says come out from among them. There's a reason why the Bible is very clear that we are not to be in the world. We're supposed to come out from it. Let me, let me prove it to you real quick. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, 3 and 7. I only got a couple more minutes on this Mother's Day. I need you to catch this today. See, remember, the heart of the father is to call the children out of the world. But here's the problem. The children want to stay in the world. We want to stay in the world and go to church. And when you do that, you only hurt yourself. Because look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. It says this, and have nothing to do with those that are sexually immoral. Have nothing to do with lust, with greed. For you are his holy ones, and let no one be able to accuse you of them in any form. Guard your speech. Forsake obscenities and worthless insults. Those are nonsensical words that bring disgrace and are unnecessary. He says, instead, let worship fill your heart. Spill out in your words. For it has been made clear to you already, listen, that the kingdom of God cannot be accessed by anyone who is guilty of sexual sin or who is impure or who is greedy. For greed is the essence of idolatry. Could this be why tithing is such a big deal? Because it puts to death our love for money. But notice what it says. Let's keep reading. How could you expect to have an inheritance in Christ's kingdom? doing these things. Don't be fooled by those who speak empty words, listen, and deceptive teachings telling you otherwise. This is what brings God's anger upon the rebellious. Don't listen to them or even live like them at all. Remember, we're reading this and hearing this from the heart of a father. He's trying to tell you, come up out of them streets. Come up out of that life and you still fighting to stay with your day ones. Why? You're still fighting to, you know, be who you are. Leave that junk. Why? Because he says here that how could you even think you have an inheritance in God's kingdom until you leave the old kingdom? Let me prove it to you again. Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. It says this, the behavior of the self-life is obvious. And this is talking to us here. Listen. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment, and others are, 
resentment when others are favored, that's jealousy, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinion, being envious of, 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 of I'm sorry, being envious of similar behavior, haven't I already warned you, now listen to this, that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. Just because it says kingdom don't mean it's kingdom. And here's, here's the biggest thing I want you to catch before I let you go today. Your heavenly father is pleading with you. Come out of the world's way of doing things. They don't know what a father is. They don't know what a husband is. You got to leave that mentality. If you don't leave that mentality, you'll never grasp kingdom mentality. Because when God says father, you'll think worldly father and it won't have, it won't hit the same. When the Bible says husband, you'll think worldly husband, and it won't hit the same. And when you don't understand, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's what we always do, right? We relate the kingdom of God to a city far, far away. The kingdom of God is how God does things. And what he's saying is, you will never see how I do things until you leave those behaviors. Are you tracking with me today? Because some of y'all been playing games. Some of y'all, some of you holding tight to the old personality. Like I said before, that's why there's two yous. There's church you, and there's Monday through Saturday night you. Come on, somebody. Church you is, hey, God bless you. Amen. God bless. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I'm blessed and highly favored. God bless you. How you doing? Praying for you. Praying for you. Monday through Saturday, you is a whole nother you, Jack. A lot of words I can't even use as an example in here today. You sound a lot different than Sunday, you. How many know what I'm talking about? And we laugh, but it ain't funny. You know what we need to do with Monday through Saturday, you? We need to kill that person. We need to kill that person. You need to leave that person and become a new creature. And while I'm on it, let's kill Sunday, you too. I got no amens on that. Because some of you thought, oh, well, Sunday me is good. No, it's fake. Because don't nobody talk like that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Doing good. Praying for you. You see somebody from church in the supermarket. Oh, God bless you. How you doing? Oh, amen. Praise God. That's not how I talk. I talk the same here as I do in the supermarket. Hey, man, how you doing? Good to see you. God bless you. Praise God. Amen. No, that's not what I do. We love to throw these words around. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, how about this? We kill the Sunday you, we kill the Monday through Saturday you, and we let God form a new you. That is real. So you ain't got to get mixed up because how many know sometimes you mix up and you put on the wrong you? usually when you're tired and something comes out your mouth. Oh, sorry, pastor. I didn't mean to say that. Sorry, sorry. Some of you know who you are. Let's kill that noise, man. Let's kill that. And let's understand why God is telling you to come up out of that. 
you will never see God's ways until you leave the old behind. You'll never see it. It breaks my heart because I pray and I seek God for a word every Sunday. And y'all don't get it, but I'm serving up chunks of meat every single Sunday. I'm serving up keys that if you grab it, it will change your life forever. But some of you, you leave here and you don't grasp it. And can I just tell you something? It ain't my fault because you can't see what I'm putting down because as long as you're in the world, you will be blinded to God's way of doing things. You will be blinded to it. You won't even see why it's important. And so you'll argue, you'll wrestle with it. I could preach you the best message, but the Bible says until you give up these behaviors that you got going on on the tuck, on the DL, you ain't never gonna be able to see some of the truth that I've given you, some of you. So you'll come to church, that was a good word, but you didn't get none of it because you can't see it. Come on, John Cena, look at your neighbor and say, you can't see me. You can't see me. You can't see the kingdom of God until you leave the old. And I could try to show it to you. And this is what's heartbreaking about being a pastor, right? I pray, I seek God. God gives me a download from heaven and I try to give it to you. But if you're still over there living Monday through to Saturday night, you're just gonna come in here and you ain't gonna get it. All the while, there's somebody right next to you and their life is changing. They're going from being a joke to, to, to being the, the, the life of the party. Come on. They're going from being broke to just being prosperous. They're going from being busted to being blessed. And you're sitting right next to them. But see, they left the old life. You didn't. You think just because we don't know about it that it ain't working. No. If you're doing it, it's working. Eddie, if you come and help me. And see, the thing that God wants you to understand is that you'll never grasp kingdom thinking, kingdom concepts until you leave the old. And you gotta quit using the excuse, well, you know, doesn't the grace of Jesus Christ cover my sins? You know, God has grace for me. He knows I get loaded every week. He knows, you know, I drink, but he forgives me. He still loves me. This ain't a love issue. He loves you, but he makes it clear. You'll never see how he does things until you leave the old life. Now, here's what's powerful about that. Some of us know we are excited about God. We're excited about the things of God because we see what's on the other side of it. We hear a word like this and we're like, yes. Others of us are like, mm, that's a good word. But this word is meant more than just to be a nice encouragement. This word is meant to show you how much Jesus cares for you so that you can finally get off anxiety medication, so that you can finally trust God and be generous instead of a tightwad, so you can finally quit worrying about everything when Jesus says, cast your cares upon me because I'll care for you. See, you'll never grasp any of that until you leave that world. And the biggest thing you'll never grasp is why God loves the gathering so much. This is why you got to quit listening to people that don't know Jesus. You start coming to church and your theo's all, 
Man, why are you going to church? You don't need to, what, what's that about? You're just going to listen to preaching and hallelujah. See, because they can't see the kingdom. It don't make sense to them. And so they think we're just a bunch of fools in here, rolling on the ground, talking in tongues, and just shouting down the preacher and, and worshiping God. They, they, it looks like foolishness to them because they can't see it. They can't see it until they leave those ways. I couldn't see it. You couldn't see it. My parents used to take me to church. I used to sit in the very, very back row. I never, I never even heard the messages the whole time I was in church. I couldn't see it until God opened my eyes. Until I messed up my life to where I finally had to go, God, you got to help me. He said, I've been waiting for this moment. And then everything changed. I left the world I was connected to, joined to God, and God began to reveal things. Purpose, life, love all these things so when you start telling your family members you're going to church they ain't going to get it don't listen to them they're not going to understand why you give offerings to church they always got something to say you give into the house of God but they had nothing to say when you was buying bottles at the club had nothing to say when you was breaking off your dealer every other day spending all your money because they thought that's a good thing. And this is why God says, leave that. My prayer is this, as you leave that, you'll grasp what I'm talking to you about today. What is on the heart of God, y'all, is his bride. And what is his bride? His bride is the gathering. And if it's Jesus loves it so much, so should you. Satan hates that, hates that Jesus loves the gathering. And that's why all these little things, oh, you don't need church, you don't need this. This is why all these things on the news and all these people that have blown it. What about these false churches? What about that pastor that cheated on his wife? What about that pastor that stole money? You know what I say to all that? Don't go to those churches. Use your head. There's good and bad in everything. There's good men and bad men. What do you do? Stop dealing with men? No. You find the good man. Come on, somebody. There's good women and there's bad women, right? Fellas? Amen? Leave the bad ones alone because they'll cut you. Leave them alone. There's good mechanics and there's bad mechanics. Do you take your car to a bad mechanic It's going to rip you off? No. Once you find out they're bad, you're like, I ain't going back to them. Hey, there's good doctors and bad doctors. Do you want a bad doctor? No. You don't stop going to doctors. But guess what? In this life, there are good churches and there are bad ones. Guess what we do with the bad ones? We don't go to them. Hey, there's good pastors and there's bad pastors. Guess what we do with the bad ones? We don't go to them, but we don't stop altogether. Why? Because Jesus has a revelation and a mandate for his bride. Can I get an amen on that? Come on, let's give God a good pra hey, praise clap this morning. 
Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.